The seventh commandment, it's just four words, very simple words. You shall not steal. And this section from God's word in Acts 4 and Acts 5, it has the seventh commandment written all over it. Now, i got to prepare you a little bit. It's a, it's a difficult section in some ways. And um, it might make you scared or afraid a little bit. But here's, here's what happened. Acts 4 and Acts 5. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, that's an island, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, a bit of explanation before we go on. The situation was there were people in the church who were in need, and there were people outside of the church in the community who were in need. And we don't know exactly, but this guy Joseph, maybe he didn't have a ton of actual money, but he had a piece of land. And he was so moved by Jesus' love for him, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and sell this piece of land. And then he took all the money, he put it in a big bag, he walked into the apostles, and he plunked it down right at their feet as if to say, no one is going hungry around here. And we don't know exactly if he had the nickname Barnabas before this or not. But it was like they looked at him and said, wow, Joseph, if encouragement had a kid, you'd be it. So we're going to call you Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because of what you just did. Now, I don't know if it exactly happened like that, but that's what his name means. So he must have been full of encouragement and generosity. So that's what happened. Now, let's go on. It's almost like Ananias and Sapphira, two other people, they saw what happened, and then they thought, hmm, should we do it? Here's what they did. A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Wonderful, right? With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. I want you to think, is that okay or is that wrong? Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. It was like she, you know, she expected him to come back, and she thought, well, I know he was going and doing this, so he must be with the apostles. You know, They must be having a party or something, so she went to go and find him. She didn't know what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. 
again, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. That's God's word. They weren't stealing, they weren't stealing money, Ananias and Sapphira. They weren't required to give all of the money. They weren't even required to give any of it. No one said, hey, y'all with property, you've got to go and sell it and bring every last penny and give it here to serve all the people in need. They, they didn't have to do that. So they didn't steal any money. What they had stolen was prestige. They wanted what Joseph, what Barnabas had. They wanted praise and honor. They wanted the whole church to look at them and say, oh man, did you hear about Ananias and Sapphira? They are so generous. It's like generosity had two children, and there they are. What wonderful people those two, Ananias and Sapphira, are. That's what they wanted. Peter didn't say, how dare you keep part of the money for yourself. No, he said, how dare you lie to the Holy Spirit and lie to everyone else. They weren't giving for people in need, or giving out of thanks for God's glory. No, they were giving, it's very clear, they were giving for themselves. And so just like that, they fell down dead. Now there's people, there's, there's commentators and biblical um, people who study the Bible, and some of them suggest, well, this, this didn't, didn't actually happen, it's just a, a serious picture, a warning. Um, or they say, well, it was really Peter, kind of a, a newbie pastor. He overdid it. Like he went too hard at Ananias, and so Ananias, out of fear and surprise, he, he, he died. And then Peter did it again. He went too hard at Sapphira. He should have eased into it, but when she heard that her husband had died, she just died too. But, but that's not the case, neither of those things. It actually happened, and it wasn't Peter's fault. This was God. And you might say, God, what? Why? Doesn't make any sense, God. Wow. Like they, they didn't even really steal money. They just told a lie. Like, how about a punishment that, that fits the crime, God? Why don't you? Surely this was not the way it was supposed to work out. I mean, they gave a generous gift. They gave a lot. Better than giving nothing, right? And if you think that, first of all, I don't blame you because I've had those thoughts this week and throughout my life looking at this story. But secondly, when we have those thoughts, it, it sheds light on the fact that we all have this human nature that tries to, tries to take this commandment and every other one and kind of distance ourselves from it. Make it not so serious and make it, make it at least about the things that we are not guilty of. Make it about those other things. Because the truth is, you know, it, it may have been a long time since you actually stole a physical object from someone or something, or maybe not so long ago, but we steal all the time. Here's kind of 11, 11 things. When we monopolize a conversation, we steal someone's time. When we gossip, we steal someone's credibility. Or respectability. When we alienate someone, we steal that person's ability for community. And when we alienate or isolate ourselves, we are stealing someone's opportunity to receive the love that God has for them given through 
us. When you isolate yourself, you're stealing love from others. When we refuse to forgive, we steal the possibility of reconciliation because we're refusing to be reconciled with the person who robbed. When we fail to speak affectionate words or do caring things, we steal love and affirmation from people. There's more. When we are workaholics, we rob family and friends of what God wants to give them through us. And when we're lazy at work, we're robbing our employers or whoever it is we're serving through that work. When we allow people to believe that an idea is ours, but it's actually not, we steal credit from someone else. When we are always trying to be first, we steal opportunity from others. And last, when we make everything about us, our accomplishments, our needs, we steal attention from everyone else. Eleven ways that we steal, and I could have kept the list going, that have nothing to do with money or possessions. And maybe you've never associated all of those types of things with the seventh commandment, you shall not steal before. Probably we don't. And that proves that we take the seventh commandment and try to make it, it's about other people most of all. Like Ponzi schemers and dishonest businesses and people who actually just pick stuff up and walk out of the store with it. That's what this is about. But not us. And when we try to distance ourselves from the commandment, it's really no different than Ananias and Sapphira, as they probably thought, each of them, maybe in the moments before they died, they thought, well, wait a minute. We gave a big gift. We sold a piece of land. We didn't have to give anything, but we gave. Don't we deserve some credit for at least, at least giving that? I mean, some other people didn't give anything. The truth is, we steal, and I know I'm, I'm hitting you hard here. We all steal, but worse than that is why we steal. Now last week when we talked about sex and the Sixth Commandment, I quoted Martin Luther. I'm going to give you the exact same quote right now because it still applies. He said, the sin behind every sin is the lie that we cannot trust the love and grace of Jesus and that we must take things into our own hands. That's the root of all the ways in which we steal, like I laid out. We steal ultimately because we don't trust God. And none of us would ever say that. If, if you're a Christian, you would never come right out and say, yeah, I don't really trust God for everything in my life. You know, I believe he, he gave me faith, and, but I, I don't trust him with that. You would never say that. But in the, in the day-to-day, the minutes of our life, the way we think and act proves that our faith is not perfect. And we don't always believe that God's really God. And I, I could give you a, a long list again, but just, just a couple. We steal affirmation from others because we don't believe that God affirms us. We steal love because we don't believe that God has loved us or loved us enough or given us the right kinds of love that we need in our lives. And so we go and search all the other places for it. We try to be satisfied or find rest, like we sang earlier, in all the stuff, all the stuff and all the people and all the situations in the world, when really only Jesus and his love can give us rest and satisfy us. But there's even more. When 
when we're stealing things. It's impossible for us to live out our purpose. You're stealing from others, actually. Because the purpose that we are all here, the purpose is not for yourself. It's not for yourself. The reason you're here is for all the people around you and all the people out there. And when I'm concerned with myself and I'm stealing things because I'm not trusting God and I'm looking to take things into my own hands because i gotta make, I got to make it go for myself. When I'm doing that, it's impossible for me to see other people. And so I'm stealing what God has called me to give to them. What's the, the old term, I think, navel-gazing? I'm just looking down at myself. Just like when you drive down the road and you're looking at your phone screen, it is impossible to at the same time see the road. Or when you're walking down the street and you're looking down, it's impossible to see the pole that is in front of you. It's also impossible to warn the person walking next to you that they're going to walk into a pole that's right in the middle of the side when you're looking down. When I'm looking down and concerned with just myself, it's impossible for me to see others. It's impossible for me to love and serve them when I think I have to take matters into my own hands and get everything to take care of myself because I'm not fully trusting God. So, should you be afraid? Because Luke emphasized it. I mean, twice in seven verses, he didn't just say people were afraid. He said, great fear seized all those who heard about these events. So should you be afraid? Because hopefully you're on board with me. I've laid out how, how we all look inward, how we steal all sorts of things every day. So should you be afraid like Ananias and Sapphira? When we're afraid, what we try to do, I try to, I try to trivialize the times I've stolen, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Or I try to rationalize it, which really means just making an excuse. Well, sure, you know, I, I stole credit there, but I really, I really just needed it. I had a good reason to do it. We rationalize, we trivialize, or, or I just try to ignore it. Or I try to think of all the good things that I've done, and I just try not to focus on the times that I've stolen. Or I try to focus on how other people are really worse than I am. You stay up at night doing all these things, trying to put your soul at peace and rest. But the truth is, you don't need to. You don't need to become a lawyer and defend yourself. You don't need to be afraid because of a thief. A thief who stole into your heart and stole all the blame and all the guilt right out of you, and he said defiantly, it's mine, and I'm never bringing it back. You don't have to be afraid about what God thinks about you for all the times you've stolen, because that's what Jesus did. He stole you straight out of hell itself. He stole you, and he's never taken you back. He stole the guilt out of yourself, and it went, and it died with him on the cross, and it's never coming back to you. He said, this guilt is mine. I don't have any of my own, so I'm going to come and steal all of yours, and I'm going to die because of it, so that you don't have to be afraid. 
so that you don't have to worry, so that you don't have to defend yourself. My defense is the best defense you could ever have. You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to defend yourself because Jesus has stolen all your sin, all your shame, all the blame, and all the guilt of everything wrong you've ever done. You don't need to day in and day out prove yourself. You don't need to try to get attention from other people. You don't need to go and look good to everyone else. You can't look better than you already are. Because to God, you look perfect because Jesus has stolen your guilt. And what this does is it takes you from looking down and looking at yourself. You're free from thinking about yourself. And it causes you to lift up your face and with a smile see everyone else around you. It frees you from worrying about the stuff that you have. And it frees you to simply think about what stuff you can do and what stuff you can give to everyone else. The people here this morning, the people you know in your life, the people you meet on the street, the people across the world that you don't even know. It frees you up to be kind and love and be generous, but not because you feel like you have to in order to get something. Because you're free from that too. Jesus has stolen your need to earn anything because he simply gives everything to you. Your life is not about you. And when, when you realize that God has given you everything for this short life and the long eternal life, you're free to simply look around and love. So, when it comes to stuff, it is the truth. It might not look like it, but the truth is you have all the stuff you need. All the things, all the relationships. It doesn't mean go out and it doesn't mean not go out and try to make friends with people or, or love them and grow closer to them. But you've got the one relationship that rules them all. You've got all the love, all the affirmation, all the credit, all the security, all the comfort you could ever need. So simply pick up your head, see everyone else, and love.